Welcome back, baseball fans, to Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. This is episode 57. Huge news out of the NL West. Fernando Tatis Jr. is suspended for potential PEDs. We're going to talk about that. We're going to check in on the Cardinals, on the Dodgers, and we're going to round out with a lock of the week and talk about Sunday night baseball. Roll the intro. Today, today. I consider, I consider myself, myself the luckiest, the luckiest man, man on the face, on the of, the face of the All right, Max, huge news came out. I mean, we're a little late just because we're recording this on Thursday from when this dropped, kind of a bomb in the baseball universe, as I mentioned. But Fernando Tatis Jr., definitely one of the faces of baseball. He was close to making his his uh, start and coming back from his injuries, motorcycle accident. Uh, recovery's derailed. He's suspended, will be out for 80 games. That takes him through next season. Um, using a banned substance, according to the MLB. Clobetazol, I thought, right? I don't right, actually right. Don't think it's clobetazol. Uh, but I don't know what the drug like is, a, to be honest. Yeah, it's a derivative of it. Um, but we've heard a couple stories. Fernando Tati Sr. has weighed in um, a little bit because Junior has not really said much. I thought the interesting thing to me, Max, uh, was the Padres' reaction. I mean, his teammates had some pretty – harsh words uh, from Sunshine Clevenger all the way to Manny Machado. Uh, of course, the general management and front office, they had their words, especially about his immaturity with the motorcycle accident and now this. Um, so in- interesting stuff. But what, what's your takeaway in all this, Max? I mean, what did you initially thought think when you saw the news? I think it's just disappointing. Um you know, there's so much hype around him. The MLB has kind of made him the face of baseball, deservingly so. He was tremendous last year, um, and he was so close to his return. I mean, he was making rehab starts. He was set to make a comeback in the next week, next couple weeks, and boom, this drops out 80 games. So that'll, you know, roll over to next year as well. It's just disappointing. You know, he's one of the most electric players in baseball. They just added Juan Soto to that team with Manny Machado. They're a team that's, you know, really looking to make the postseason. They're they're right in the mix of the wild card with the likes of, you know, Atlanta, Philadelphia, the Brewers. They're right in that mix. And this just throws a huge wrench in that. And everybody was looking forward to having him back. And it just seems like the maturity level's not there. You know, I don't know the details about how this substance came about. Um, but I, I just don't think there's any excuse. You should do the research behind what you're taking and know what is and isn't allowed. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear that, you know, he took it unknowingly. Like you should know what you're allowed to take and what you're not allowed to take. And regardless of baseball, you should know what you're putting in your body. Um, so it's, it's disappointing. Uh, there's really no excuse for it. And if you like, think back to that motorcycle accident, like that seems pretty immature for him to be driving a motorcycle around and getting in an accident. And then you think back earlier in the season, he's got, um, 
I think he got a, had a sling on or something, but he's out playing soccer in the outfield and wipes out while he's recovering from an injury. Not something you should be doing. And now this, I think Mike Clevenger summed it up really well. He said, it's the second time we've been disappointed with him and you hope he grows up and learns from this and learns that it's about more than just him right now. It sucks. It really does suck. And, you know, I think what shows or indicates, at least for me, how bad this is, is that I love every opportunity to talk down on the Padres and bash them. But it's how good Fernando Tatis Jr. is and how good he is for the sport. I mean, I had people who haven't talked to me about baseball in 10 years talking about the dude. So to have him, you know, gone again, and I think deservingly so. Again, there's multiple stories. It could have been ringworm. It was a fungus from a haircut. It was to treat injuries from the motorcycle. Regardless, and again, I'm not going to come up here on my soapbox and say I know all the ingredients of medicines and things I've taken, but I also don't get paid ridiculous amounts of money and have a banned substances list with my employer. (laughs) If that was the case, I would certainly know what was going on and make sure I made no stupid infractions or better yet pay someone to say, Hey, is this, we good here? You just checked that for me. Um, Again, just such a disappointing situation. I'll say there is some humor uh, in it to me because, of course, when the Dodgers swept the Padres, all they could talk about was, well, Tatis isn't there. Tatis, when Tatis is back, Tatis. It's like, well, I mean, I, I don't know what to say there. You make this big trade for Soto, who hasn't signed an extension, and it looks like at this year he has two years of control after this, so you may still get two years with the big three together. But um, it's sad. I mean, it's disappointing, and I think Alex Rodriguez talked about it on K-Rod a little bit. Um, and talked about, you know, he's like, I wish these young players learned from me and my mistakes. Because again, he was a guy who was going to be a no doubt Hall of Famer, you know, and his reputation's in the drain. And now Tatis is walking a similar path. Yeah. Yeah. I think you summed it up right. Like A Rod, you know, at this point, maybe his reputation's a little bit back, but even then, it took him a decade to kind of recover from just the public humiliation and backlash that comes from being exposed for cheating. And, you know, it's just disappointing. And Tatis is such a young guy, right? He's like 22 or 23 years old. Um, It's a big mistake. I hope he learns from it. I hope he learns from a lot of the mistakes he's made this year. Um, But I, I just think when you're getting paid that much money and you're on the big stage and you're primed to be the next superstar, um, I mean, he's already a superstar, but he's still young. He's got years to become the player he will. He shouldn't be making mistakes like this. It's just inexcusable. And I would be, I would be unbelievably frustrated if I was the general manager or president of the San Diego Padres. Um, so, you know, I don't know if there's much more to say about it. It sucks. It sucks for him. It sucks for the organization. And it sucks as a fan of baseball because he's fun when you see him go out there. And it, as, with this being a postseason team, I want to see Tatis, Machado, and Juan Soto all batting together in the postseason. That'd be so fun. But at least not this year, we're not going to get it. So I have just one last question related to it, and it kind of was coming out of what Fernando Tatis Sr. had said about it, which he kind of said, look, with a player of this caliber, with this reputation and the stake that it has for all of baseball, not just him, not just the Padres, but the sport, he was talking about maybe the MLB changing how they do this or how they release it. Cause pretty much the second the test came out and it was all like, they just dropped a public statement Saturday morning and we're like, Tatis is done. 
do you think, Max, that the MLB should change how they do this to maybe soften it, protect a little image, especially in this case when it's someone who like there are baseball will lose fans over this story, certainly. I don't think that they should. I think the rules are rules. They apply to everybody equally. I don't care if you're Juan Soto or you're, you know, a minor leaguer. You have to follow the rules of the game. Everybody's going to get treated the same. It is your responsibility to make sure that you don't take a banned substance. And if you do, you face the consequences just as much as anybody else does. So, you know, I don't like this preferential treatment idea given to stars of the league. They have just as much a responsibility and they should have even more of a capacity to check what they're taking than somebody with less resources. And it's just inexcusable and they should be treated the same. I, you know, I agree with you. I love how you left that. So I think, think with that, we'll move on and talk about the current structure of the league a little bit and do kind of a playoff check-in. You know, we're, we're mid-August here, so we're about a month away from the regular season wrapping up. That final push uh, is starting to happen. Um, of course, I'll just come right out in front of it and say no need to even look at the NL West. The Dodgers are ahead by so many games. It's not even a contest. Uh, another pennant coming home. That's a declaration. Right. Um, so believe that, but Max, maybe you want to talk about, uh, the current division leader in the central who's been incredibly yeah, before hot. Before I get there. I, I, so I want to remind everybody it, this year, brand new six teams in each league will make the playoffs. Top two seeds get a buy. The top three seeds are order are going to be the division winners, regardless of what record the three, one, two, and three seeds are the division winners ranked in order. Four, five, six will be the wild card teams. How it's structured, one and two get a bye. The three seed being the worst division winner will play the six seed, the worst wild card, in a three-game series where all three games will be played at the team with the better records home. So at the three seeds ballpark. Similarly, with the four, five matchup, all three games will be played at the four, for the four seeds ballpark. Three straight days, three games, best two out of three. Winner of four or five will play one. Winner of three, six will play two. Yada, yada, yada. So, as you said, the Dodgers clearly the number one team in all of baseball. They will have the number one seed in the National League. Going to the Central, currently the St. Louis Cardinals, who are, might I remind you, 12-3 and three since the All-Star break with a sweep of the Yankees, a win against the Brewers in a series, and now after a 13-0 slaughter fest today, a sweep against the Rockies. Huge. So Cardinals are the currently the leaders in the Central and the three seed because the two seed is currently occupied by the NL East leader, the New York Mets. So if the playoffs were to start today, the one, two, three seeds would be in order, Los Angeles Dodgers, New York Mets, St. Louis Cardinals. Now, James, before I throw it back to you, these, you know, other than the Cardinals and maybe the Mets, the Mets have been made it a little tight recently. They only have a four and a half game lead, I believe, um, in the East. Yeah, four and a half over the Braves. The, everything's pretty much set. You're going to have Dodgers one. You're going to have Mets two, Mets or Braves two. And then you're going to have Brewers Cardinals three. The thing about the Cardinals is that in the wild card standings right now, 
the Brewers do not own a wild card spot. They're a game and a half out of the wild card spot. And this is very similar to a situation we'll talk about in the American League, but this puts more pressure on the Cardinals and Brewers to win that division because there's not a spot for them if they don't. There might be, but right now, the second-place team in the NL Central will be left out. So you have Dodgers, Mets, Cardinals, and going down in the NL, you'd have Braves, who are six and a half games ahead for that first wild card spot. So they almost certainly will host the five seed. You have the Phillies, another NL East team, and then you have the Padres. Phillies are a half game above the Padres for the five seed. Then you have Padres at six seed. Brewers, a game and a half out. And then there's kind of a drop. You have Giants six, and then it's nobody else. So pretty interesting outlook. James, what do you think about the National League playoff picture? Yeah, I think there's not a lot here that I think if you looked at our recap, we were pretty spot on here. You kind of knew the contenders. And again, we even knew it was going to be down to St. Louis, Milwaukee fighting for that spot. Now, I think we both said for sure that wild card would be there. I think the big disruptor being Philly. Because we knew it was San Diego or San Francisco. We knew one of those teams was going to wild card from the West. Um, and Philly's kind of that disruptor because the Braves have shown up. The Mets have been here all year. And now Philly, somehow, without Bryce Harper, uh, has been playing incredible and baseball recently. And Schwarber. I mean, they, they've been playing, just still finding ways to win games, staying in the conversation. They're kind of the disruptor. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch how this shakes out because, again, there's still time where the Braves – I think the only one that secured is the Dodgers. I mean, now either way, Mets yep. or Braves are both in. That's definitely true. But with that system and the matchups, it matters. It matters how the seeding breaks down uh, big time. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Um, so if you look at the matchups right now, and obviously there's so much left to be played. Right, I think we're around game 118, 119 for a lot of teams leaving between 40 and 45 games left for almost everybody. There is a ton of things that can happen. The Cardinals were 10 and a half games out of the wild card in 2011 in, world, in September and won the World Series. So a lot can happen. Now, if you look at it right now, just because it's fun, Dodgers one seed by Mets two seed by you'd have the Cardinals hosting the San Diego Padres for three games in St. Louis. That'd be easy one, two done. We would move on. We would play <laughs> the, we would then go to New York uh, to play the two seed. And you would also have Braves hosting the Phillies for three games in that division matchup. I, again, think that's a pretty easy win for the Braves. But it's just interesting to look how things play right now. Obviously, you could have Cardinals. The, either the Cardinals or Brewers, whoever make it, they're going to be the three seed. That's a done deal. They will be the three seed. You could have a matchup between the Car Cardinals and Brewers in the first round. It is very reasonable. Um, and I would say pretty likely that that happens, given that they have two of the lighter schedules coming down the stretch, playing those bottom three NL Central teams rather frequently. So we'll see how it all plays out. It's very interesting, but that's the National League picture, I guess, James. Yeah, that that's the National League, and it's going to be an exciting race. Um, now, I think where there's still a little bit more movement and flexibility is the American League, um, a little bit uh, less decided. We're seeing some interesting things. I mean, I love the way this playoff race is happening in the American League. 
um, of course, kind of in that same structure, you have this change where the number one team in the American League now and uh, guaranteed to win their division, I would say, Houston Astros. Um, I mean, they've been on fire. Luckily, the Mariners are, are pushing close, but they're still 12 games back. They're not closing that lead. I think Astros easily secure that number one spot um, in that West. Your other division winners, you have the Yankees, who have been in that kind of running the league the whole year, and that's been the narrative. Except now, as it's crunch time, that narrative is starting to unwind a little bit. They still have that division lead. They still have, you know, about 10 games up on it, up on Tampa Bay and Toronto, but they're falling. Um, so it'll be interesting right. to see where they play out. And then the, the AL Central to me is where the race is scorching hot. Currently have the Cleveland Guardians as the AL Central winner if the season ended today. Yeah, the Central is clearly the, you know, most competitive division in all of baseball right now, for sure. I mean, the Central, the NL Central is there, but the AL Central has three teams uh, right there within two and a half games of the division lead. So, you know, if you look at the picture, your one and two seeds are going to be Astros Yankees. You know, they're within a game, two and a half games of each other. The order could switch, but it's going to be Astros Yankees done deal. Now, the three seed, which will be the winner of the Central, right now would be the Guardians, but you have the Twins a game behind them and the White Sox two and a half games behind them. And the White Sox are coming to Cleveland for three games this weekend. They're going to be playing each other a lot. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. So it's very interesting. And similar to the comment I made about the National League Central, with the AL Central being generally pretty poor this year in general, uh, there's really not a clear spot for that second place and even third place team in that division. The twins currently are one game out of the third wildcard spot. So those three teams are going to be fighting tooth and nail for the division lead because you're not even close to guaranteed a spot outside of that. The wildcard right. race though is very, very interesting James. Yeah. I think that's where, especially you look at, I mean, you have teams, you, you're all the way down, all the way down to Boston, where you're really <laughs> all jockeying within two or three games of coming to this thing, again, with 40 games in hand here. I mean, Seattle, you can't even feel too secure with them. They're only a game and a half up as the number one wild card right now, which is awesome. I, I hope the Mariners get to the playoffs so freaking bad. Um but then again, that Tampa Bay, Toronto, I mean, the AL East, which we knew would be a powerhouse, those teams are right there. And these wildcard teams are could be better. There's a very good chance with the way the season's going if the Yankees don't turn it around. And I think the Donald Donaldson walk-off Grand Slam may, may kind of be a season changer or saver. But if not, there's a good chance that these wildcard teams are actually the harder matchup to play. You know, if you get Toronto at the right time, that may be harder than a down New York. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all all plays out. Right. And even the Orioles are staying around. So, again, it talks about how crazy that AL East is when the Orioles are two games out of a wild card picture right now. This is a team that sold at the deadline never in a million years. I mean, what were their odds to win the division? I think it was insane, like near a 1,000. I think they were like plus 900. So – just crazy. Yeah, probably more than that. It's probably like plus 10,000. But if you, but the wild, it's, it's interesting. So let's go down it real quick. Mariners have a game and a half lead for the four seed. 
Tampa Bay and Toronto right now are tied, both at 62 and 54 for that four seed and five seed. So with the tiebreaker right now, you have Tampa Bay holding the four seed, Toronto holding the five seed, um, or excuse me, five and six seed, Tampa Bay five and Toronto six with Seattle being the number one wild cards. And then right behind them, Twins, one game out, Orioles, two games out, White Sox, two and a half games out, Red Sox, four games out. Then a huge drop. You have Rangers at 10. That's kind of where it ends. But the Red Sox, who are currently the five seed in the AL East, the fifth place team, last place team in the AL East, are only four games out of the playoffs. So it's very interesting how things are shaking up. I would say any of these seven teams, Mariners, Rays, Blue Jays, Twins, Orioles, White Sox, Red Sox, can finish in all types of different ways. Um, And another interesting thing, James, and I think this applies to both the National League and the American League, is the way it's structured where the third seed, no matter what, will be the worst division winner. There could be some jockeying around because you might want to play, say, Cleveland or, say, Minnesota versus playing Seattle at home, right? You might rather go to Cleveland than go to Seattle. So, you know, there could be some jockeying around and maybe claim the six seed instead of the five seed. So who knows how things will play out and what kind of drama will unfold the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if they'll really get to that level of gamesmanship. I mean, I, I wouldn't count out the sophistication of MLB managers, but I also feel like it would be tough for them to be like, okay, just hold back on the bats. We're just going to eat K's <laughs> all night. Uh, that, that way we can play a, a better team on paper. Now, We'll see about the gamesmanship. The big thing as we've gone through this, Max, that I've been thinking about, how incredible is it to have three wildcard teams? I mean, why weren't we always doing this? I wasn't super keen on this when we did this, but it's like, why were we limiting this? I mean, this drama, the fact that it's basically half of the entire American League that is in the playoff picture mid-August right now. It's awesome. Right. I mean, that's just great for the game. You have And it used fact- to be just one. Right, and that's it's like... I don't get it. I mean, it talks about that's also why the Yankees won 27 rings, by the way, um, because they only had to win a couple series, get it done with their ridiculous payroll and murderers row. But I, it's just great. I don't know if you want to expand more than this currently, um, but because it's like you have all these teams open. The fact that Baltimore and Boston are still in the playoff picture, clearly show that the window's wide enough. I mean, the, I think the window's wide enough where we have it, but it's awesome. I mean, could you, you could very realistically have a situation where Cleveland, Baltimore, and Seattle are playoff teams. And I think if you would have told us at the start of the season that lot of three was going to make the playoffs, like, no chance, zero chance. And it could happen now. It's probably not likely. But it all lies on the American League. This this race is still very much outside of Houston and New York. Everything else is up in the air. That's totally right. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, the AL wild card is the biggest race there is. Um, the AL Central lead is also extremely tight and extremely important. So I think the American League's where a lot of the excitement is going to be coming down to the wire. The National League, there might be some jockeying around, but there's really like just like one team that's currently outside the picture that could maybe sneak in there. Uh, So 
it's it's exciting. It gets exciting when you look at the playoff picture as we get closer here and, you know, things start shaking out a little bit. Well, and I think, you know, last year, again, all the excitement of the playoff race was in the American League as well, where you had the Mariners trying to push, Toronto trying to push, uh, Boston, all those teams playing where those game 161s and 162s matter. That's where it's going to be so interesting. I know we'll check in by then, right. but can't wait to see how this will will work out. The good news, Max, I feel like we've covered kind of the playoffs and what we could be looking at. Good news is I think we're both pretty confident. I mean, I'm, I'm of course, 100% locked that my team makes the playoffs. I'm, I feel confident that the Cardinals get it done. I like where they're at, but still in a race. Uh, but I think it's time to kind of enter a little bit of Dodger talk, a little Cardinal talk, and uh, get down to it. So, you know, I, yeah. I kind of want to jump the gun here and talk about the Cardinals just because I'm so excited about what happened today and just kind of like, so I don't know, kind of open the picture up for you. But if you want to you talk about what, what it was today that's got me all fired up. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the past week. If you look back at that crazy uh, kind of grudge match between the Brewers and Cardinals earlier this week, uh, the Cardinals hosted the Brewers. Albert hit two home runs, including the second one, where he threw his bat, started shouting at our dugout, like, this is our effing house. Like, here we go, running around. That was home run 688 and 689. And today, Cardinals, I mean, we were, the game was already kind of blown open. It was 6-0 at this point. We were getting all over Colorado. Um, Albert, bases loaded, two outs, hits number 690 over the left field wall. Um, So it's pretty awesome. I mean, Albert right now is one of the best OPSs since the All-Star break in all of the National League. He's honestly like, I, I get he's Albert and he's retiring and he's a legend, but he's playing great this year, especially against lefties. I mean, he's coming in and hitting the ball tremendously well. The big question, though, and I think I where I want to talk about this is the race for 700. For a while, it seemed like, and, and even still, to be fair, it's, it seemed like it was a long way away, right? I think he came into this year at 680, given his age and his you know, past couple of years where he's, he hit 12 home runs last year, uh, five the year before, or excuse me, he hit 17 last year, six the year before, 23, 19. He, it was going to be tough for him in his final season at age 42, I believe, to do it. But he's giving himself a chance and he's hitting the ball tremendously well. So far this year, he has hit 10 home runs, 10 home runs this year. And to hit 700, he would need to hit 10 more. So, you know, is he on pace? Definitely not. But he's hitting the ball tremendously well, which could provide him more opportunities to come up to the plate. Also, as he creeps closer and closer, they might just give him more opportunities because how could you not? The next big milestone for him would be 696, which would be A-Rod. That's the next person on the list that he could pass. He's six away from that. Who knows? I mean, he's hit three home runs in the past week. At that rate, he's going to break 700. But I don't know. Watching his at-bats, he's swinging it tremendously well, and he's making good contact. I think he's got a chance. He's a legend. You can't count Albert out. Well, and you, you know, you. I wonder if this uptick, because he's been great, and you talked about his OPS, but I just want to point out his OPS against, against 
left-handed pitching for the season. He's the third highest OPS in the league against left-handed pitching, which is insane. I mean, like he is a genuinely val. And I noticed, I saw this on the Dodgers last year. He is still a valuable player. Like he is valuable to your team. He's incredible leadership on the field. Uh, So again, I think a lot of it could also come down to this playoff picture. Cause if you get him a home run or two shy and the Cardinals have secured the central, I've got to imagine I'm not only am I going to let him start and get three at-bats, I'm moving him to two or three in the order and trying to get four at-bats a game and just farming Albert bombs. I'm paying off other pitchers, other managers and going, you're tossing lefty, you know, give him a knuckleball, like give him something he can just cook. Um, I mean, he's like, like if you look at the month of July, going back to July, he batted 320 and had an OPS at 944. So far in August, he's 8 for 21. That's a batting average of 381 with three home runs, six RBIs. That's an OPS of 1.315 and a slugging percentage of 0.857. I mean, these are like really good numbers regardless of his age. These are like all-star caliber numbers. And so this is only going to give him more opportunities to see the lineup every day. I, I know they try to pick and choose his spots, get him against lefties, obviously, because of those numbers. But, I mean, he's he's proving he can still be a valuable, valuable asset at any point in the lineup. So, and here's maybe where I pivot to uh, two questions I have for you, Max. One, I believe sports are much better than, uh, you know, fiction or anything Hollywood can write. So what happens if number 700 is a walk-off to advance them to the next round of the uh, playoffs? What what are we doing there? I mean, is, is, does the city burn down? How do we? Who knows, man? I mean, like, the, my question is, you know what? I actually think I might be wrong. I think he's hit 11 home runs this year now that I look at it. Um, but that being said, do postseason home runs count? Because I'm looking at baseball reference right now. And the home run tally puts him at 690, as we know. But his games played each year is, you know, 161, 157, 157, 154. And it's listed in the same area. So I'm not sure if postseason home runs count to career home run total. That seems weird, but I, I really don't know. Yeah, they they may not, which if they don't is absurd. Um, I would argue that postseason home runs mean exponentially more than a full season of not playoff baseball. But... I mean, so, okay, so let's just say, let's take that equation. Yeah, they don't. I just the looked table. it up. They, they don't? They, no. Yeah, okay. So this is what, what happens when stati- statisticians try to deal with sports. I mean, get the hell out of here. If you're crushing in the playoffs, count it, baby. I mean, in the NBA, you're, they just count your total points. Um, I actually don't think they do there either. I, well, they have two stats. I know they have regular season stats where Kareem's the lead, total points where LeBron is the lead right now. But – People only care about regular season. Bunch of losers. That's my new take. Everyone who thinks regular season is more important than postseason is a loser. Um, with that being said, let's assume – what if he gets – so he passes A-Rod. Let's say he gets a six, but he's two or three shy. I know he said he's retired. Does he – I feel like the Cardinals owe him indefinitely and would let him come back and play the month of May and June as a DH, get a 700, and then let him retire midseason. Does Albert do that, or does he just go, I didn't do it? Career's over, I didn't do it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think Albert will probably call it. I, I don't think he'd come back. I, I mean, 
He's so he's nine home runs away. I think I don't know. No, he's ten home runs away. Excuse me. There are forty-five games left for the Cardinals, which means he needs one every four and a half games for the rest of the season. Maybe, maybe. I mean, he's had a couple multi-home run games this year that would help it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody wants him to do it. Everybody wants him to get there. And if he keeps it up, I mean. Say he has a good series in Arizona this weekend. Hits, say, two. All of a sudden, he's at 192. Now he's getting there. Like, he's only four away from A-Rod. You know, this could go all types of different ways. He has one big series. The whole thing changes. He's 10 away. He needs 10 more. At least six more. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's must-watch. I think it's national – you know, everyone nationwide pretty much wants him to do this. Um, so we'll be tracking it. I really, I really hope it does. And if I'm him, I would have to come back. I would have to. I mean, I know you got to play, do whatever, but like, I don't know how you can possibly stop if you are within two home runs of 700 and joining what I would call probably the most elite club in baseball. By my recollection, I mean, there's what, three players in it? Babe Ruth, Hank Bonds, Aaron, and Barry Bonds. And, yeah. So. <laughs> That's it's like if you paint yourself in a list of those players, infamy. I don't know. So we'll see. But he's at least pitting himself because because for a while, Max, his competition was like, eh, he's not even close. It's real. It's worth talking about. So that's kind of Albert. That's the St. Louis uh, update we got for now. Uh, yeah, couple- tell me about the Dodgers right now. I, you know, I've got some comments here, but tell me what you're seeing from your team as of late. Yeah, of course they were scorching hot. Uh, they've you know simmered down a little bit, and simmered down for the Dodgers is seven and three over their last ten. But if you look <laughs> even more recent than that, it look the Brewers got the best one. The main takeaway for me is they split the series in Milwaukee. That's yeah, not bad. Relative. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not. Here's what gets me: the fact that Chris Taylor is making insane catches to save games, and they're getting it done. And this is the guy I want to talk about, which is if the Dodgers aren't able to get it done in the postseason, I'm almost certain it will be because of this one individual. That is the closer that Dave Roberts will not take the baseball from, uh, Craig Santa Claus boy Kimbrel, who is just loves getting mashed. That's it. He loves getting the first two outs and then getting mashed. He's addicted to it. He loves it. I mean, even last night, he blows the save in the 11th two nights ago, which has me. I'm like, this is terrible. What are you doing on this team? Dave Roberts goes, okay, we have a one-run save situation. Biggest pressure. Bring him back out. Gets the first two outs. Like clockwork, pits two runners on. And it's just like, dude, are you doing this again? Now he got out of it. Got the save. But it makes me seriously worried when it matters in the postseason and you have to close a game. It'll be interesting. The Dodgers don't have Trinan. They don't have Gratterall. So they don't really have a guy who could fill that role. But when they come back, if this keeps up, it's like, dude, just bench him. Just literally bench him. Um, so that's, that's my takeaway as of late. He's been terrible. Yeah. And I was paying close attention to that because obviously I want the Brewers to lose as many games as possible. I mean, the first blown save was unbelievable. Like, I just... It was like heart wrenching. I could not believe that they that the Dodgers lost that game. And then last night, I was I was gonna lose my mind watching this guy. And, and his stupid arm thing drives me so crazy. <laughs> yeah, he looks he looks so like a annoying. creep. And he's not even reading the signs anymore. They just do pitch comp, but he just does it anyway. It drives me insane. He but does it that for was, clout. 
that was that was heart wrenching last night, but he was able to pull through. It is it is a big question mark because you want an electric closer as you get deep in the po- into the postseason. Now the Dodgers probably have enough depth that they can find somebody to take his innings if they really need to. But it's it's a big question mark right now. I would say. I'd say the other thing, a couple other things, and you know, pitching depth as I mentioned with Gratterall and trying and come back, Evan Phillips, someone in that trio can take this role and needs to. Now again, if Craig was at his best, that's who I want closing. He's one of the has one of the most saves ever in the game of baseball. He just doesn't have his stuff this year, and he continues to say, "I'll be better." And Dave Roberts, the professional he is, doesn't bash him in the media, but it's like we got to get real. But on the other pitching front, this is news that I think has serious implications on the postseason. That would be Walker Bueller uh, shut down for the season, needs to have surgery in the elbow. That's a huge piece. I was kind of worried it was happening because the recovery was not really trending on pace, was worried something may happen. And look, that's a huge arm to lose. He's had a bad season, but since he came into the league, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball up until the the slow start. Um, in this. So again, that takes one of those arms out. Luckily, Julio's been incredible. Tony Gonsolin is there. Kershaw's uh, back with the team now, so should start a rehab assignment soon. So they have arms there, but you know, Bueller's the ace. He is the ace of yeah. this team. It, it's tough, and I think if if he was shut down before the trade deadline, I think that they put all their chips in and get Pablo Lopez. I think they do the ridiculous deal, move the prospects and get the arm. Because that's that's where they lack depth. I mean, their bats are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, their offense is what's special. Um, and, the, I mean, you named all those great pitchers they have. Julio Kershaw, they're going to get Dustin Maybach. Tony Gonsolin, who could have started in the All-Star game. Bueller is the ace. Like you said, he's the, the number one guy out of all of those arms. And he he even struggled earlier in the season. Like he had some good Walker Bueller starts, but for the most part, it seemed like there was something wrong. And then he went down, and now clearly it's a bigger issue than anybody would have hoped for. So it's a huge loss. And you know, I, it, it, there's nothing more to say. It sucks. It sucks. I think everybody would want to see him out there and see the Dodgers at their best, but they're going to have to make do. And they've got good pitching depth. They really do. So. They'll be yeah. able to make do, but it's a big loss. I'm not too worried about that. Um, I will also say it it helps just on the Dodgers front. Max Muncy has been on fire. I mean, literally on fire in the last three weeks. I think he's actually back, not just like, oh, he's doing it. He changed his swing, added a little back foot step, just made all the difference mm. in the world. And it's like if he hits at the clip he's been hitting with everyone else firing their top of the order, Gavin Lux being the best uh, like bottom, you know, bottom of the lineup guy that's ever picked up a bat. I mean, that team is just disgusting. Um, so that's kind of the outlook there. Bellinger got benched. Just wanted to note that um, over this series in Milwaukee to get his head right, which it's like, why are you doing that now? He's batted at the 200 batting average and a 600 OPS for a year and a half. What do you mean he needs to get his mind right? Like, this is him. How do you but, feel about Belly? Like, do you like? Are you? Do you think he'll get back to MVP Bellinger? Or is this kind of? He's still a young guy. Like he's, like where? Yeah, where do you it, feel about him? It's tough because I almost picked him to win National League MVP this year as a prediction because on his pendulum, it was this year or bust to come back. Right. I think it's kind of 
I think we have what we have and that his defense and speed and his clutch hitting and power are good enough to keep him in the MLB. He'll be in the MLB for the next decade. I feel pretty good about that. I don't think he comes close to that that MVP season, which is which just sucks because I mean I remember when that was happening in 2019. I'm like, oh, this guy is the future of the sport. I mean, he's not even he's their nine o hitter. He's their actual nine o hitter, not like oh he's getting adjusted. He's the ninth best hitter on that team. Um, you so know we'll he's going to come up with a huge game seven NLCS bomb, and it's it's just going to be like that and, again. And that's as long as the Dodgers can keep him at league minimum and a contract that doesn't like inhibit them from signing other players. I'm open to it. He's a great defensive center fielder. He's got wheels and he knows when he needs to hit the ball. Again, I still expect a massive home run in the playoffs out of him, even though he's uh, had some bad stats. And then the last thing, Max, and I know you saw this kind of been a little national story, but maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in relation to the game of baseball would be the Dodgers sideline reporter, Dave has had this weird just passion with going down the Brewers slide that the children go down and the brew crew, brew crew mascot goes down when they hit a home run and they gave him the chance and they filmed it, which was the greatest decision in cinema history because he ripped through that thing. I mean, he was going 130 miles an hour and you knew he hit the first curve and he starts going, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. And he flies. You had, you know, if you're listening, just go look up this video right now. Close Spotify. Go look up this. On, he flies down the slide, slams into the wall like that's a good ten feet past the end of the slide. Pins his arm in there, and all this is announced on the Dodger broadcast where they showed the video of this hit. Joe Davis, uh, the best professional in the game, cannot keep it together from laughing. He goes, "Don't worry, he's okay." And they cut to David on the sidelines. He's got a cast on. Turns out he broke multiple ribs, broke his wrist, and <laughs> broke his thumb all in this collision going down the children's slide at the Brewers Stadium. Um, and just the I video mean, is good. He hits the wall pretty hard, like I will say. It's not like he just somehow got hurt, like he slams into the wall. It's pretty, funny. It, it's immediate content. And they've done the whole outline on the wall, the Brewers mascot at him down there, and like gave him a little condolence card. I mean, Justin Turner has been on his ass about this for, and it's kind of, in some ways, it's like, damn, that guy like actually got messed up, and like everyone's just kind of making a joke out of it, but he's taking it really well in stride. But like, he, he crushed that wall. I knew instantly, like, his arm's screwed. Um, so we'll we'll see, but it was just like wow! I did not expect the major injury coming out of this series would be the sideline reporter with a slide injury. Um, that's an <laughs> right, IL right. report that I need to see, uh, and that's that's the Dodgers updates I have for you, Max. Well, let's go to lock of the week, James, because we had an interesting kind of thing happen last week. We had similar bets. I had Guardians win the series against the Blue Jays. You had Guardians win the second game when I believe they had Tristan McKenzie out there. They lose that middle game, but win the series. So I get a much-needed recovery here. I catch up in the standings a little bit. I was on a quite a, a down spiral, but this helps me catch up a little bit. And the Guardians still got the dub. So um, it was an unfortunate loss for you, I will say, because Tristan McKenzie pitched very well. I think it was like a Matt Chapman solo homer, and somebody else hit a solo homer, and the, yeah. the Blue Jays 
snuck it out. But very interesting turn of events there. Yeah, snuck it out on the eighth. And I'll say I, I really wasn't that upset about it. I stand by the bet. I think the game went. That's going to be a coin toss. It's kind of crazy that it went the exact way you needed to get a little catch up there. But I'm really not right. mad about it. I'm I'm actually pretty happy that the Guardians won the series and, and spun you in the right direction there. So, again, I, I don't know if we'll be – on the same bets the last couple of weeks, we've been on the same series. Uh, to me, my bet this week, I'm targeting the series I am most excited about. Um, I think we're well, going the same way then. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say most excited because the Dodgers play the Marlins and I just I can't wait to watch the Sandy pitch. But the big series of the weekend, I mean, no doubter, you have the Astros playing the Braves in Atlanta. Um, I think that's like a must, must World watch. World Series rematch. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like all. Like I would be watching every game of that series. Can't wait for it. I've kind of targeted the Saturday game, um, and let me actually pull up the start time on that, just because I believe it's an evening game. But I want to make sure. Seven fifteen. Seven fifteen on Fox. On Fox. Uh, you have Strider versus Javier Christian Javier versus Spencer Strider. I am taking Atlanta Braves to defend the battery, minus one and a half. Give me the run line. I love it. I think the Braves absolutely mash Saturday night. And Striders, he's going to keep keep rolling. I promise we didn't plan this before, but we have almost an identical bet as we did last week. You take the Saturday middle game with the Braves winning. I have Braves winning the series over the Astros. Um you know, I, I was going back and forth here. I almost picked the Marlins to beat the Dodgers on Sunday with Sandy starting because I figured it's in Dodger Stadium. You're going to get pretty good odds just because it's the Dodgers. But, you know, this is just you see it on the schedule. It's a World Series rematch. It's rare you get that. It's got to be bet. I like the Braves to defend, what is it, Truist Park uh, and get the dub. Get the dub. The Astros are playing incredible right now. They put up a 21 spot today on the White Sox. Um, but, yeah, give me Braves in the series for sure. Yeah, what's, what's crazy about all that, Max, is my three bets that I had really thought about was taking Sandy to beat the Dodgers, taking the Braves in the series, and then the bet I ended up going with, which is Braves on Saturday behind Strider. Um, I think they have a tiny edge on pitching. Christian Javier has been great all season. Maybe not great. Been very good all season or good all season. I think Strider has a tiny edge there. I don't know why. I have a weird feeling Saturday is going to be like an Atlanta romping. Uh, may see some fireworks. If this unfolds again in the same style, though, where they drop Saturday and win Sunday, we're going to start having to have some serious talks and actually work on some insider trading because we can do it again. Just tell me, and I on the side will bet a ton of money on the series. Uh, but well, I like the bet. The problem is I don't have a – there's no Max Freed start because he's actually starting right now against DeGrom. So he won't – it'll be Kyle Wright in game one. I'll, I'll just look at the matchups real quick. It'll be uh, – let's see. Christian Javier – so, yeah, sorry. One second, blah, blah, blah. It'll be Lance McCullers Jr. versus Kyle Wright. Then, as you said, uh, Javier versus Strider. And then the Sunday matchup with – which what a, what a shame that this isn't Sunday Night Baseball. But I digress. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Uh, the Sunday matchups are Keedy versus Charlie Morton. Uh, so, you know, pretty good matchups. These are two playoff teams. Obviously, they have deep pitching rotation. So it should be an extremely hot 
uh, atmosphere and an extremely good series. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked for it. Again, it's must watch baseball. We're we're on the same series. This has been nearly a month. We're on the same series, so we're kind of in lockstep and figuring that out. And I think with that, Max, I think we got to just jump right into the Sunday night baseball and talk about the absolute travesty it is. Because if you look at the card on Sunday, I mean, there's a lot of great baseball this weekend. But if you look at the card on Sunday, they picked about one of the worst matchups that you could have put. In this game, again, you have Sandy and Dodger Stadium. That's not where I'd go. You have Chicago and Cleveland. Well, let's talk about the game that is happening first before we talk about what's not happening. That would be the Boston Red Sox traveling to Camden Yards. Great ballpark. You take on the Orioles. Um, So those teams, we talked about them earlier. They're still at the bottom end of this playoff race. They are uh, four and five in the AL East. Red Sox at five. It just doesn't make sense when I look at some of the games we could have had had here. I mean, you know, you have the Yankees playing the Blue Jays, which has, I'd say, more severe implications on the playoffs. You have White Sox versus uh, Guardians. That's a huge game for the playoffs. You know, just anytime Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara plays, that's worth, uh, you know, getting on there. This Houston hey, game, I mean. Yeah, how do they not put Braves Astros. I mean, that should have been circled from day one of the season. At least they don't have Phillies Mets on there, James, for the third time because they are playing this, this yeah, Sunday. But, I mean, if they did that over the game, because at least the nod here is, and I assume the reason they made this decision is the Orioles are somewhat in a play. When was the last time a primetime game that had any real bearing in mid August happened in Camden Yards? I mean, we were six years old. Um, so maybe there's something. Yeah, there, but, but you're still looking at like I I agree. I mean, but you're still looking at the four and five seeds in the AL East playing each other. I I mean, at this point, I'm not surprised though. If you look at the way the MLB markets itself, they put the two worst teams in the Field of Dreams game. Like they repeatedly have bad matchups on national TV games, and I think this is just another example where it's like, why can't they pivot? I don't know what the contract deal says, but like we saw the Red Sox last week. Neither of these teams right now would be in the postseason. Sure, they've got some exciting players, but like this is a World Series rematch. This should absolutely get the number one slot. And if anything, this Red Sox Orioles game would be like four or five on my most desirable list. Um, But real quick, James, I want to look back to last week before we get too far ahead of ourselves. We had a Yankees Red Sox game in Fenway where both of you, both you and I predicted the upset at home. Red Sox win. Let's keep in mind, America from our Twitter poll, I think was it was closer than I thought. I think it was like 58% or something leaning towards the Yankees as expected, but we were spot on. Michael Waka, Cardinal legend, threw a gem. Um, so that was good to see. But now we have Red Sox again this week in Camden Yards, like you said. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad you highlighted that because I was unsure how it would go. Uh, and again, we, I didn't think you were going to be on the upset with me. I'm sure you probably didn't think I'd be on the upset with you. Um, but it just means we know ball. I mean, that's all it was. It was a business <laughs> trip, business decision. I There was never a doubt. Whole game, from the minute we kicked off National Anthem on, I knew we were going to smash that. Um, and we did. And, of course, I made some money, uh, which was great. And, you know, with all that, even that game wasn't super exciting to watch. I mean, it really was like it, it was cool. You had that rivalry and that energy there, 
but it wasn't like this this show that I think we're gonna get out of this Atlanta Houston series. Like it is actual must watch television. Not only is it the rematch, it is you know could very well be another World Series. I mean, these are two teams that are right there in it. Um, two teams that are in our series. power rankings perennially for top five teams of the month, like top five teams in baseball. They are two of the top five teams in baseball. So, like you said, I mean, it's must watch. But at least we get Camden Yards and Adley Rutschman. So, um, I guess. So, that's give me kind your of... pick. Who do you like? Yeah, I mean, in the matchup. I've got to go Orioles, uh, and I'm going – this is really a gut feeling more than any baseball knowledge. This is simply on the fact that the Orioles really haven't had anything good happen to them in 15 years, so a primetime win, bring them one game closer to that playoff spot. Who Again, um, I don't know. I I just like the Orioles. For some reason, I'm getting a nod. Maybe it's Cal Ripkins in my ear, but uh, I'm all in on the Orioles. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm going Orioles too. Um, it's Nick Pavetta versus Dean Kremer. You know, Kremer's actually been pretty decent. His last start, he went seven innings pitched, two runs, six Ks. Uh, so he's had some good starts. His ERA is right at 3.58. I feel like we just had Nick Pavetta. Maybe he started that like, game last week. I don't remember exactly, but um, I, I, I like the Orioles too. I like the Orioles at home. They've been super hot since the All-Star break, since Adley was called up. They, like, barely lost. And now, despite selling and despite anything, they believe they can win, and they've been winning a lot of games. So I like Baltimore over Boston. Again, I think we're 3-1 and one now. We are 3-1, and one, with that one loss being because we trusted the Padres, which the Padres trusted Tatis. They shouldn't have. We trusted the Padres. We shouldn't have. But we learned from I- it. I think we've been consensus every time, right? We we both had Padres over Mets. We both had Giants over Cubs. We both Dodgers. had Red Sox over Yankees. Or Dodgers over Padres, too. So, yeah, three and one, yeah. Yeah, so, no, we've been consensus every time. Uh, again, we don't discuss it, but we just line up, and we'll see how this comes comes around. I mean, I think Red Sox have the better better hitters, obviously, you know, if you look at just track record. But Orioles are hot. I like them to defend Camden. Um I mean, I'll watch the game. It's what I like to do on Sunday nights, but I'm not particularly like juiced up. I I will, can't wait all morning, all afternoon. I'll be watching baseball because I want to. This is more like, a, well, it's what I do. But yeah, MLB, again, like the marketing, it drives me insane, Max, because they come out and they said that the viewership for the Field of Dream games was 50% less than it was last year. And it's like, well. Shocker. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like I have like, news for you. could have seen that coming? You and again, they're not playing next year because of construction in Dyersville, um, which is a well, whole how long does it issue. take to do construction? Start now. <laughs> I, <laughs> Seriously, like, why do they need to delay a game that is twelve months away to repair a, a miniature ballpark? Well, I, I, <laughs> they're they're. <laughs> it's a fair point. I didn't even know they're, that. They're, yeah, they're they're adding. Um, well, okay. First of all, solution would be do the Sandlot game that I've talked about where you recreate the Sandlot field, have some of the West Coast teams playing it. But in the meantime, so they're constructing a whole sports complex around Dyersville, multiple youth fields, and they're worried that as they do that, which I think is a poor decision anyways. Frank Thomas is part of the group doing that, by the way. Why can't they do it like – I I don't get – Ken, sorry. Keep going. Well, I – 
I just don't understand. Well, so it's the noise from construction that they don't want to broadcast the game. I'd be like, just stop doing construction for that one day. Like, again, the, again, this is the MLB doing everything in its power to not market its game, including knowing, since they did delay, as you pointed out, 16 months in advance, they delayed next year's game. You know this was it's the just... last one. And you bit the two... Two of the worst teams in baseball, and I mean, what is what are they doing? It's like they have this brilliant idea of the Field of Dreams game. Get two of the best teams in baseball to go out there and have like the most viewed regular season game ever in an electric walk off home run by Tim Anderson, and then they're like, next year let's put two of the worst teams, and then we'll cancel the following year. It doesn't that, make any sense. That's their three-year plan. Do the best thing we've done for marketing uh, and then send terrible teams. Then just scrap the event. And then after that, they're, like, who? what is the five-year marketing plan? I mean, again, it's the best idea they've had. And it just shows. And then, again, you have a World Series matchup and you're having us watch the four and fifth team in a division. They They just have no clue. I think if we don't replace MLB leadership, this is completely serious. Baseball will be dead. I don't think it's going to die. I think there's enough interest there, but it's like they shoot themselves on the foot on a daily, daily basis. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, well James, it was fun. It was a good episode. Episode 57. Um, we're sticking to Spotify. If anybody's still listening, the YouTube thing, too much work. We're back on Spotify having fun. Uh, thank you guys listening. Episode 58 next Thursday as usual. Baseball. <laughs>